Welcome back to another uh, episode of the Sales Book Club podcast. Uh, I'm Daniel Locke. Uh, I'm joined by Matt, Zach, and Ryan. Uh, this week, we're going to be reviewing Start With Why by Simon Sinek. Uh, kind of let the guys uh, go around brief introductions just so uh, anybody is new is listening uh, can uh, kind of get to know who's, who's who. Uh, go ahead, Matt. Hey, thanks, Daniel, man. Appreciate you hosting this week. This is going to be a great episode, man. This is probably, and right up there with the Bible, this is one of my favorite books. (laughs) (laughs) All right. (laughs) Yeah, so uh, this is a great book, and and reading it this time from a sales perspective, uh, it's going to be awesome. Uh, I've been in sales for about 17 years in the uh, shipping logistics industry, and uh, honored to be here today to have this discussion. Uh, Pass it over to yeah, you know, uh, I'm excited about this book too. Shockingly enough, I'd never read it before now, even though I've heard it many times. I've I've seen the Sinek, Simon Sinek uh, YouTube and everything else or TED Talk. But I'm excited about talking about this. I think that you know, for me personally, culture and, and the why behind what we do things is very important just in my own personal life. And so it's nice to see that codified as well as uh, I think we're just going to have a great discussion. Uh, again, my name is Ryan Pugh. I, I've been in tech sales now for about eight years, sales overall for about 10, unless you count Christmas tree selling when I was 14. But nonetheless, uh, I'm very excited about this. I think it's very applicable. So off to you, Zach. Yeah, thanks, Ryan. So uh, I, I love the book too, Matt. Uh, I think it's it's great. It couldn't be more timely for me, kind of what I'm going through personally, which I'm sure we'll get in to a little bit later, but I'm very excited to uh, discuss with you guys, get some thoughts uh, from what you guys had and uh, really excited to, to see where it, it goes, you know, a couple of weeks, a month, uh, even a year from now, um, from the knowledge I've gained from this. Awesome. So yeah, I'm Daniel Locke. Um, I work in industrial air pollution control equipment and, uh, you know, well, I'll kind of jump right in. Part of the reason why I'm in the market that I am, I'm in is uh, I really enjoy kind of trying to help the, you know, the environment. And a, uh, an aspect of that, you know, it kind of comes back down to why, right, is, is I, that's what I want to do is I want to have impact and make change there. And, and, and so re- I read it once before, absolutely loved it. There's some follow-up books that are kind of like workbooks that all – that come along with this, um, with this book, what's, what's great is you can kind of have a, it's that crash course, like you mentioned, Ryan, uh, on the Ted talk. I think it, it really, uh, captures the uh, bulk of this book, but there's so, I would say that by if you were only just to listen to the Ted talk, there's so many, just very, very specific examples that he obviously doesn't have time to, to get through in a, in a Ted talk. And, and I've got, I don't know, I think my highlighter started wearing out at one point. Uh, in, <laughs> yeah. In clearly you have a lot of sticky notes there, man. How many sticky yeah. notes you have on that book? Daniel? <laughs> uh, I got, I don't have that. I'll actually don't have that many. I've got some more on some other books that we read. Back here, but, um, I'm more like a BC to, student. So seeing that, you know, impressive so we want to read it um, again <laughs> I, if i just take the highlights out and put them on like a sheet of paper and we'll i'll be uh it'll summarize it pretty well but uh what i think the you know the part about this book is it is it's not expl- overtly explicitly a sales book 
Um, right. This is uh, this kind of captures a lot of different things. And for we'll say for being a leader and obviously being, you know, I think I know I have that perspe perspective. I think you guys share it as well that, you know, if you're going to be a successful salesperson, you are leading your clients somewhere. And so, you know, we're all if you're in sales, you really are a, a leader of some sort. So it does apply. Um, however, it may not be explicitly a sales book, but there is a whole lot of sales specific content um, in in this book. And, and, and I mean, the se I'll, I'll pass it to you guys, but, you know, the second chapters, you know, carrots and sticks. And it basically just goes down to talking about, you know, how we price and, and try to influence behavior which is, you know, common sales tactics. But um, no, I would let kind of go back around. Uh, Zach, what were kind of your overall just thoughts and uh, ideas about the book? Yeah, so uh, I, I'm glad you mentioned the uh, the second chapter there, the carrots and sticks, because when I was reading that, um, I was, I was kind of like, where is he going with this? Uh, and then he brings it all full circle, if you will. Uh, when, when he talks about the golden circle uh, in chapter three, and it was just, it was, I, I personally loved the book because there were so many real world examples. Um, when we talked to, um, when we read um, Thrive by Meredith Elliott Powell, um, she talked a lot about real world examples. You know, she gave the, the example of Bush's uh, baked beans and stuff like that. And so reading this, I just loved it because it was actual stuff you could go look up and, and read more about if you wanted too. So the, there were just a lot of great examples. Um, you know, he, he repeatedly uses Apple and um, it, it made me think, you know, they their why is challenge the status quo and everything we do. And I was watching a commercial the other day by Apple, and I'm sure you guys have probably seen it as well. It's it's one where the Apple Watch calls 911 for this guy that was out riding this bike, um, like trail riding through the forest or something like that. Um, it calls 911 for him because it, it thinks that he took a hard fall. It gives a GPS location within like a 40 um, meter radius. I mean, it, ju it just blew my mind that they were challenging the status quo of just something that can tell time. I mean, it was just, it was awesome. And, and I thought back to, to this here as, as we read that. I, I, I don't know. Have you guys seen that commercial? Oh, I haven't seen the commercial, but... Um... But I agree with you wholeheartedly. And what that you guys have said so far about this book, it's not a sales how-to book, right. but it is um, a sales motivation book, <clears throat> if anything. Um, and I think reading it from a sales perspective, which I did this time, the last time I didn't, knowing that we were going to review it in this podcast, trying to think from a sales perspective, it, it really is a, um, it's almost like the fuel in your gas tank, honestly. Uh, I love what he said. Very well said. I love what he said in chapter in the introduction on page seven. He says, this book is not designed to tell you what to do. It doesn't matter what you do, mm -hmm. how to do it. Its goal is not to give you a course of action. Its goal is to offer you the cause of action. I think when you understand your cause and your why, then it, it motivates you and serves as a catalyst to invest in whatever you do, be it sales or whatever. What do you think, Ryan? I would agree. Um, there's been times when I've been doing something I didn't really – have a why and what it ended up doing for me was the outcome didn't matter because I didn't have a why uh, perfect example <laughs> school I, I have a love hate relationship with it but if I don't keep that why because I'm in grad school as some of you guys may know uh, if I don't keep that why in the forefront of my mind 
you know, at the end of the day, if I don't get a a, a degree of my MBA, probably doesn't negatively impact my life per se. Uh, you know, I'm already doing pretty well, but it does uh, enhance my life if I keep it going. So I, I found that you can apply like that, that root cause of why to any number of things. And at the end of the day, I think sales is just an extension of who we are, right? We're, we're there to provide a solution and outcome for our clients. And we just happen to be the, the face of our company. So I don't see how this, uh, this fits right in, I guess, with all these other sales books, even if it's not a sales explicit book, if that makes sense. I think you make a great point, Ryan. You know, when, when I was first reading it, um, there's like, like we both all said, there's no, um, I'll say define like, Hey, this is only for salespeople. Mm-hmm. But, but like you said, Matt, I think it was Matt said, you know, as salespeople, we are the leaders of the company um, to a certain extent. And, and it's definitely, it. Hope we lost him. I think we lost Zach. What he was saying was good. There I love this quote. Going back to that carrots and sticks chapter, man, uh, page 17, when companies or organizations do not have a clear sense of their customer, their customers or other customers, they tend to rely on a disproportionate manipulations to get what they need. Uh, tell me that's not a, a sales uh, say, but yeah, that, that hit home right there. When I was in the Marine Corps, it was all sticks, no carrots. So, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I I would agree. the The first, you know, that first page and a half of that of that chapter. I mean, I've I got a big section there highlighted. It's like, you know, the the second paragraph. You know, if you ask most businesses why their customers are their customers, most will tell you it's because of superior quality, features, price, service. In other words, they have no idea why, and you know, once they, if companies don't know why their customers are their customers, odds are they don't know why their employer employees are their employ, employees either. And, and kind of foreshadowing a few other uh, instances in the book. I know we talked briefly, you know, Apple did a, um, was a, was mentioned a lot. So it was Southwest um, mm-hmm. Southwest airlines was, he mentioned them several, several times throughout there. And in Southwest, puts their employees first and even makes a, a comment and, and later on in, in one of the chapters that, you know, it's the customer is not always right. The employee yeah. is, is right. And the employees will then therefore take care of the customers. And so um, I just thought that was a really good way to put it. And it's like, Hey, you know, if we empower our people in the right way to grow um, and allow them the guidelines, you know, in which to operate, then, they're going to go forth and, and, you know, work on our behalf. And, and that just comes back down to, like I said, kind of everything circles back to the why. Um, one of my, probably my favorite parts of this, the, uh, the entire book is in the second, uh, the second chapter, third chapter. And for, you know, he talks about the golden circle and kind of why is at the center. Um, but the gr- a really great example that he, he mentions is, um, you know, people get Harley Davidson tattoos on their bodies. You want to talk about supporting a brand? They're literally putting, you know, a company's logo on their skin permanently. It's like, and why, why do they do that? Well, it's because those people identify with, you know, what Harley Davidson 
stands for. It's yeah, they make motorcycles. And if you talk to most people that have ever ridden one, Harleys fall, fall apart and they need a lot of work, but people still go buy them over competitors just because they identify with this, the shared beliefs, um, you know, the same culture as, as a company. And, and that's a huge connection point. Um, yeah. Couldn't you and, argue that it's really the, these top tier brands that we think about, it's really the culture that is driving their success versus per se their product. So, you know, Zach, you brought up a great point earlier about the Apple watch. I'm a, I'm a, I love Apple products. Um, probably shouldn't say that as a Microsoft employee, but I do. Um, <laughs> but, but, um, edit, edit. but what I'm getting at is, you know, uh, the Apple watch, I, I, I happen to have a new one too. If I just looked at the features and functionality, Google probably has a similar watch or, or maybe Garmin, for example, but uh, it's, it's that ad where it talks about what, what impact do all these features and functionalities have? What is the, out, the desired outcome? And Zach, you brought up a great point earlier with, you know, a guy falls, he can't, he can't notify anybody. The watch does it for him. And to me, that kind of brings home what it is. And then that creates that culture versus just somebody going out and rattling off, uh, you know, the pricing and features and functionality. I think another, not to take too long to talk about this, but another good example is Subaru. If you ever watch a Subaru commercial, they never mention pricing. They don't ever talk about what specials they're running. Usually it's just a picture of like a dog and some lady like getting groceries, right? But like it evokes <laughs> yeah, it's it's about a lifestyle. It is. And I've owned Subarus. I bought it for that reason. I love them. But you never once are like going in like, oh, is it, you know, two hundred dollars cheaper this month than last month? That's not how they market themselves at all. That's right. Yeah. So, so one thing I thought was really connects well with, with, you know, with sales um, was in this uh, third chapter, he kind of talks about the, the, in that golden circle, you have the why, mm -hmm. how, and what, and so many, you know, we'll say, I'll say entry level salespeople, you know, without that lack of confidence or without, or with that lack, lack of confidence or, or they're not really sure why, uh, they're doing what they do. They end up leaning on, okay, this is what we do. This is how we do it. And then, mm -hmm. and that's, those are those, those things that most, most people do. Um, you know, how like this, how, whether you call them a differentiating value proposition or unique selling proposition, it, it just kind of, it doesn't really get back to the center of it is, is of why it's just, I wouldn't say fluff, but it's, it, it doesn't give people that, that connection that they, that they need. And, you know, kind of in a sale, again, with the sales context is, you know, you have to have those, those deep, meaningful conversations and understand other people and like, and what, what's driving their behavior, you know, yeah. what they're connected with. Um, if you just, like you said, Ryan, if you just kind of lean on just features and benefits, then, then at the end of the day, you, you put them side by side and compare the price at the bottom. Mm -hmm. And, and that doesn't move the needle for, for really anybody. Uh, oh, I, I thought that <laughs> fair, <laughs> but I think he said that sets up everything else downstream. Like I said, as a sales book really, really well. You know, I was, as I was thinking about this and, you know, we, we, we meet every so often, of course, but have we ever talked about what our why is for why we're in this industry? I mean, we've talked about the why behind the, the spirit of the podcast, right? We're just sales guys. We live this life. 
this is how we make our, our, our living with sales. Why not highlight some books that other salespeople could benefit from? But have we talked about the why of why we're even into sales? I don't know if we have. I don't think well, so. I, I mentioned it. Where we're in the sales in the industry that we're in. Yeah. Yeah. I don't think we have. I don't know if we yeah, were. I mentioned it or- early, you know, a little earlier. Yeah. Like, you know, kind of rehash it again. You know, what I care about the environment mm-hmm. and, you know, I, selling, you know, air pollution control systems is, it's, you know, for me, it's minor. But at the end of the day, I feel like if I can have some kind of incremental impact in, you know, the quality of our air or, you know, climate change, then, you know, I, I, I have a small part to play sure. in that. That's why I, I enjoy where, what I do. Makes sense. What about you, Matt? It's a great question. My why is not what I do. It, it, my why, my, what I do fuels my why. My why is to provide for my family and create legacy. industry that I sell in, been into long enough that uh, it takes a little time because we are highly commoditized. Probably, we're probably the most commoditized industry. So bringing that why to the table really quickly become the value of your culture, especially as you're trying to create culture. Which is and yeah. so, uh, Matt, unfortunately, we're losing you a little bit. Your mic's going in and out. Sorry. Skip to you, Zach. What about you, Zach? Yeah, the, uh, it's, it's a great question. You know, as, as we have talked about, you know, your story from New Sales Simplified, and then we read this one, uh, this this book here by Simon, we talk about what's your why. Um, I, I'm still in the process of trying to figure out exactly what mine is. Um, it's your you wife. Know, Remember, Zach? Your wife. Yeah, right, right. <laughs> you know, so, you know, I, I, I wanted to say going to sales because of the, I want to say control over your income you have. But, but you know, as we learned throughout uh, reading that and, and even watching the TED Talk, you know, that that's a result of what you do. Um, and I really think at the core, it's helping people. I, I truly enjoy that, get, get great fulfillment and joy out of that. Um, it's just... It's so funny as I sit here and, and talk about what it is. I think back to the book where he talks about it's the it's the part of your brain that you can't put into words because it's just a feeling. Um, and it, it, so for me, it's it's really hard to describe exactly why I'm in sales, and I'm in the process of trying to get that uh, I'll say articulated and down on paper. Um, it just happens to be that I sell solar right now. You know, when mm-hmm. I went to Enterprise Rent a Car. It was helping people get uh, place to place. When I worked at DeKalb, it was helping them come up with the the best uh, injection mo- or the best plastic manufacturing process, whether that happened to be injection molding or not, uh, was to be determined. So, you know, I talked with uh, another guy the other day about, you know, your story and your why and what you do. And it can translate to really any um, career, really. And it, it's it's how you do it and then what you do with that, J- just as I've done, you know, and only the, the three jobs that I've had. But yeah, it, it's a work in progress to at least articulate and get, get some words down. Yeah, I would agree. Uh, you know, f- for me, my root, my root why, of course, is, you know, I have a family. I want to make sure that I'm providing for them and, and you know, able to give them a life that, that I think that they deserve. But 
why sales specifically? Part of it is just plain old ADHD. You know, I, I can't do the same thing all day, every day. <laughs> but, yeah. um, <laughs> but, but also a lot of it has... At, at the root cause of it, I will say this. I've met salespeople who you can tell are only in it for the money. I don't want to spend any time with those people. I don't learn anything from them. I find it just, mm-hmm. I don't enjoy it. I've had, you know, I've been very critical of them to their face. I, I don't go back. But, um, <laughs> <laughs> but what do you I, feel, Ron? <laughs> I'll let you know how I feel. <laughs> money motivated, which I love money. All right. Let me not, I won't say I don't, but. But at the end of the day, I'm here to help clients. I'm here to help them achieve outcomes that couldn't have been done on their own. And, you know, for for example, I'm in technology. There's, there's a lot of other vendors that sell a similar product or might have a similar outcome. And so a lot of times it does come down to who is the salesperson that's engaged with them? Are they providing value? Are they a trusted advisor and so on that we talked about before in other podcasts? So sometimes we are the differentiator. And... Uh, I've just always wanted to have the opportunity to be in the forefront. And so that, that probably fuels my why. And I'm always excited to wake up and go out to work. I go upstairs to work. So <laughs> <laughs> yeah, me too. Yeah. Good. So kind of, and, and this is where, uh, what I love about this book is that it applies in so many different ways. That's even outside of sales, you know, kind of what, what drives you, Chapter five, clarity, discipline, and consistency. That, I mean, this one chapter alone, I think, can be its own separate book. Yeah. You know, uh, just going into the depth of, of, of driving what it is that you uh, find valuable, right, as a, as a person. Um, and, you know, value, I, I think I shared this maybe on LinkedIn, but you know, in my, in my version of value, it's, it's subjective to whoever it is that's receiving it. Right. Um, what I, I absolutely love this uh, in the book, he goes, we remind ourselves our values by writing them on the wall. Oftentimes you see them as nouns, but, but values or guiding principles to truly be effective, they need to be verbs. And I, I, you know, I kind of agree with that is, <laughs> Uh, it's really hard to articulate that though and, and start to make that change. I know like kind of Zach, as you were saying, like, I, I don't know if I can clearly do that right now. And it really kind of gets you, gets me thinking on just what kind of articulating what those values mean to me, let alone in the context of the selling role and someone the op- opposite of you that you're trying to f- uncover what they find valuable. That makes it really, you know, you have to be, do a lot of introspection, Right. to to be able to help others yeah. get to that point um like i said that, that you could just keep going in this chapter on trying to help it almost starts to become like i guess self-help ish in that kind of wheelhouse of like you know, to help others you you got to understand yourself first yeah i agree and uh you know we going back to that golden that golden circle where it talks about why the middle and then how you're going to achieve and then of course what you're doing it's interesting because I I had an experience where I was at one company for a while where um, we had a why uh, behind what our product did, and we were eventually acquired by by private equity. It was a good move, but when the new leadership came in, 
there was no clearly defined why and we kind of drifted as a company and sure we're still making money everybody was happy but i do remember about a year in after that transition people started questioning leadership about well why are we doing what we're doing you know and a lot of it had to do with like feature requests or are we talking to our customers just find out what they really need like what what are we doing here other than making money and you know a lot of talent actually started leaving the company as a result because even though it wasn't like there wasn't a toxic work environment or anything like that i think people just weren't getting fulfillment out of it and i think uh we spent so much time at work shouldn't we feel fulfilled by what we're doing regardless of what that happens to be so you make a great point ryan because it you know it and I agree with you too, Daniel. I, I think chapter five is probably my favorite chapter. Could, you could write a whole book on the uh, clarity, discipline, and consistency. Uh, but, you know, Ryan, I think what happened at that sounds like is, you know, when, when Simon starts talking in chapter 11 about mm-hmm. um, when your why goes fuzzy, you mm-hmm. know, they, there wasn't a clear, there wasn't clear, you know, back to five here, there wasn't clarity. And it sounds like there wasn't consistency. And when mm-hmm. that happens, um, I think he even I think the the next chapter, Simon then talks about the split that happens, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Like he you had the why and then you start to just um and, and for those of you listening or and or watching, the split that Simon talks about is when your um why and your what start to to taper up, your your what will continue to to go right. up if you're looking at a graph, uh and then the why just kind of tapers off and becomes a, a plateau. Um, and, and it sounds like exactly what happened to your company. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I, I just found it interesting. It was, for me, it was a learning opportunity. When I was in that moment, I wasn't too happy about it. But as I reflected on it, you know, post leaving and then reading this book, it gave me some clarity. So I, I found it interesting. How have you found uh, companies be effective in communicating their why? <clears throat> you know, sometimes it can come down as simple as, live in their values that they state. You know, for example, I work at a large company now. I mean, Microsoft has like 120,000 employees, maybe more, maybe 180. can't quite remember. But, uh, you know, the the mission statement of Microsoft is to empower everyone and every everything to basically live out its best version of itself. I'm, I totally butchered that <laughs> tagline. <laughs> so if they're watching, but at the end of the day, it's they want to create products and services that help you live a better life. And so when I look at that, that's actually how we approach, uh, you know, new product releases, new new uh, services that we deploy. We always look at it from that frame of reference of, is this enhancing people's lives? And I, I find that to be a noble endeavor, right? Obviously you're making a ton of money, you know, great, but at the end of the day, are they stick to that root cause. So, I think that's one simple way of doing it, just being consistent. We were talking about chapter five and and it's not about integrity, right? It's about just doing the right thing. That's what also Simon says in one of the chapters. So uh, I think that's a, kind of a simple example if I was to give one. That's a good example. You know, the, the one part that I want to make sure I, I at least said today was it, you know, Matt, you talked about a company's why and stuff like that thought it was very interesting um, is in chapter six, um, Simon gave the example of when you're hiring someone, I'm thinking any job post that's out there, it's, it's all about what they do. This mm-hmm. is what we do. Mm-hmm. Maybe you might get how they do it. I don't know if I've ever read a job description that says why we do what we do. I mean, I just, it blew my mind. It was just such a paradigm shift of 
man, if you wrote a job description all about why, and then and then maybe sprinkle in a little bit of what you do, I, I just feel like people would be all over that if they if, if that aligned with what they do. You know, he gave the example of the uh, the people going on that trip to Antarctica and and miraculously none of them none of them died. Um, and, and if you're listening, you, you can go through and, and read that. It's in chapter six somewhere. But it just it, it's just a total paradigm shift of, you know, it got me thinking, what if people created resumes that way? What if there were jobs that way? What if, yeah. you know, X, Y and Z, if everyone just started with Y? I mean, it, as simple as that sounds. That's a really good point. I mean, we got a new business I, idea, folks. Zach's, Zach's had right. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> you, your resume was just here's why I like to do. I just happen to have done it at. This company, yeah. this company, this company, this company. I mean, it'd be different. And I'm sure you'd be, you know, the, the first part that some people may look at that and just, you know, move on from it because it's not the, the traditional, if you will, way of making a resume. But if you got someone who understood this golden circle to look at that, I mean, why wouldn't you want to hire someone? That's good. But, you know, uh, just, just my take. No, that's that's a uh, that's insightful right there, Zach. I, <laughs> that is. <laughs> I mean, yeah. You know, it's funny. He writes, Simon writes in here, great companies don't hire skilled people and motivate them. They hire already motivated people and yeah. inspire them. And I was, I was like, you know, that is absolutely true is, you know, good people go to work for good companies and, you know, and they rise together, right? A lot of those, these companies that grow at rapid rates, you know, it's not all the company. It's not all the people. It's, there's a, there's a link between uh, both the people working there and then whatever the, that solution is um, kind of, and, and with to that, to that next point, though, is, you know, it's not the leader. It's the role of the leader is not to come up with great ideas. The role of the leader is to create an environment in which great ideas can happen. And I thought that was, that was just, you wish you could just go give that to anybody that's out, you know, managing other people and just say, look, you know, give them the opportunity to, and to, to go succeed um, instead of, you know, it's kind of like the opposite of a, you know, micromanagement. Right. And I thought that was, those are just two really, really great quotes in that chapter on, on trust. Uh, it was yeah. like, that is a great example. And it goes back to what you'd said earlier, Daniel, that you're hiring motivated people to be inspired. So why would you then also need to, be the only one if you're the leader that can come up with great ideas you should expect that there's going to be an abundance of great ideas amongst your team so yeah that's a great great context there yeah, and along the same line in the same chapter unless you give motivated people something to believe in something bigger than themselves a job to work toward they'll motivate themselves to find a new job and you'll be stuck with whoever's left <laughs> yeah yeah that's uh so true yeah exactly those <laughs> those motivated people are they're going to find something to motivate themselves Right. If it's not coming from you, it's, it, they'll still seek it elsewhere. That's a really good point. Yeah. And I, uh, you know, we were talking about via text message, I think over the weekend where you know, sometimes we struggle, like we're in a place in life when we think maybe there's more potential elsewhere, or maybe we haven't maximized our potential. And so it's definitely a journey that we're on, you know, not every moment or not every role is like probably the best that we could have ever been. But uh, it kind of goes back to, if you remain motivated, you keep that why, kind of in, in the forefront, you're going to, you're going to put yourself in situations where you're going to be successful. Eventually it might not just be today. So. 
yeah alignment alignment's really important both you know and with what you do and and who you do it with you know i think that's that's a really a kind of a, a common genesis across i think the entire book is is you know no comp no one company is going to be able to succeed at the just because of a single person mm -hmm. right as everything keeps growing you, you have to have people around you how do you build people around you and then kind of get this goes back to just in a very generic level just leadership and how do you lead and inspire others and he, he uses a really really great example and ron you probably appreciated this of of uh, air force general and mm -hmm. uh I thought that one, that one was great. It was just, she was such a just servant leader yeah. uh, in that example and, and her rise through the ranks all the way up to, I think it was, she got to like brigadier yeah, brigadier, uh, general. Yeah. And, and it was entirely her entire mantra is how do I support the, the lieutenants? Right. Is how do I support them and put them into positions where they can succeed? No, there's no personal outcome for her. The personal, the, her, her personal outcome is is making the military a better place than she found it. I thought that was just so. If living by the, uh, those ideals, you know, it gets hard sometimes, and and you you have to have that goes back to discipline to to always stay true to yeah. to both yourself and and what what you find valuable. But but that this that model for success is there. Uh, now, almost in contrast to the way a lot of other people, uh, you know, grow, but it's so much more powerful when, when you build it the right way. Yeah, I, I would agree. You know what I like about this book too, is it's consistent with other books I've read. So a book I, I read um, actually this past year was 48 laws of power. And it kind of highlights how power can be used, you know, however you want good or bad. But one of the aspects of they talk about in power is, in that book is that if you want something, uh, what, what, whatever it happens to be, a lot of times if you go ask for it or you're like, if you go to a group of people, let's say you need $10,000, they're rarely going to give it to you because what are you, what are you giving back in, in return? Right. But if you go and you just invest in people, uh, if you help them out, if when you go to a networking event, you're not there asking people for jobs, but you're there to, Hey, what do you, what is it you do? How can I help you? And you're just there to, kind of be a giver, a lot of times you end up getting what you want, right? <laughs> I mean, I think it goes back to even us coming together. We we started chit-tatting one day about what, what it was we wanted, and now we have a podcast. So none of us started the conversation with, hey, do you want to start a podcast? I mean, I'd be like, no, I don't even know who you want. So, <laughs> <laughs> I, think, I think you make a great point, though, Ryan, because you, you mentioned earlier the why we started this was really just to help other people. Yeah. It's like, hey, this would be great to get together and talk. But if we could help more people in our profession by saying, hey, read this, don't read this, go to page 43. Like, it's really just to help people. And then, oh, by the way, we get to learn from each other, too. That That's a that's a side effect. That's a that's a what that mm -hmm. we get to do. Right. So great point. Yeah, we don't have any merch that we're selling. So. Yeah, right. We're we're not out to get rich on no this. merch, no sponsors. Nope. Yeah, Still looking for that first sponsor. If anybody's listening and wants to sponsor. Yeah. <laughs> no, Chambers plug right there, right? Yeah, exactly. Microsoft sponsor us, Ron. That'd be really cool. Oh, I'm sure they Boy, would. Wouldn't that be something? <laughs> they may. Who knows? <laughs> 
I don't know. It looks like Point Logistics is sponsoring us based off of you. Yeah, no. yeah, for all your shipping needs. <laughs> and Cole does it all. I'll solve. <laughs> that's not a lawyer. <laughs> that's great, man. That's great. Bars. Oh, that's hilarious. So I'm gonna, I'll, I'll kind of change a little bit, and this is something that where my my imagination started to kind of run. I'm gonna say wild, but it started to shift a little bit when he gets to chapter seven and talks about tipping points. Mm. Um, I it, I wouldn't call it a quite a tangent on uh, from the book, but it was it, it didn't kind of it was a little bit off a little bit off theme. He connects it back then at the end of the chapter, but for the first part of that chapter, I, what I thought was great from a sales perspective um, was he mentions in here, you know, kind of gives the uh, a, a tribute to Malcolm Gladwell and Tipping Point and, and everything. And that's another great book that uh, again we could we could discuss that later on but i thought it was it was awesome he starts talking about like the the you know the laggards you have your innovators early adopters early majority late majority and then the laggards very at the very end and you know i kind of i, I love this one he's he's comparing a few uh a few of these different sections and he's talking about the laggards and he says his clients they're the ones whom no matter how hard, how hard you work, it's never enough. It usually boils down to price with them and they're rarely loyal. And that's mm-hmm. where that, you know, that loyalty thing. And I, which I love connecting this back with, with sales is, you know, we all know those kind of clients that they exist. And, and most of the time you just cannot figure out what their why is, or they have it. They don't have it clearly defined themselves. They're just there showing up and checking the boxes and, you know, as a, as a salesperson, how can you have a meaningful impact on, on improving their business or, or the uh, rest of the realm of what you do? If you can't figure out what, what drives them forward, what, what they're, what they find valuable. Um, And typically when you've come across companies that just have that laggard mentality, yeah, they're, they're, their why is way off center from what their, their how and their what is. And they're, Frankly, they're most of the time they're bad customers that you don't want to do business with. And so uh, he kind of he doesn't explicitly say it, but he does just kind of say, just don't even worry about them. Those are not the ones that they're not going to help you grow your business. And, you know, and in terms of like a, of a tipping point, they're the last ones there. They're the last ones that are going to you know support your business. And the, the loyalty pieces, he kind of connects a, a few more dots and loyalty in the next couple of pages. But, you know, loyalty, loyal clients our loyalty is when people are willing to suffer some inconvenience or pay a premium to do business with you. Yeah. And we are, no matter how great of a company we are or any of us work for, there's, there's things that get the ball gets dropped here, or there, or there's a miscommunication, you know, some top, somewhere in execution, there's mistakes happen. We're all, we're all mm-hmm. human. We can, we can set up these great ideals of how great we're going to solve their problems. But at the end of the day, it, if it was that easy, other people would do it. So how do you find those people that are loyal, that are going to stick with you through some of those minor inconveniences or, or whatever that may be. And cause those are, that's, what's going to help you grow, both grow your business, but also have that impact. Um, you, you know, because I'm in technology, it's always evolving. There's always a new player on the scene and sometimes there's a better, better tool out there. Right. But Sometimes I, when I have calls with customers or prospects, I tend to ask them what else they're doing. 
completely outside of my realm. Like, mm-hmm. what else are you guys investing in? What what innovations or, or uh, uh, ideas are you guys working with? And and I just I I do it because I want to understand holistically how they're approaching things. I had a great customer at my last job, which they they were on the forefront of technology. They were they were using some tools and things really outside the box. And as a result, they were an excellent customer with us because if something was not working or if they had an idea for an enhancement, we knew that, hey, this was coming from a place of loyalty and uh, basically trust because we could see that they were doing that with other vendors as well. And I've had the, op- the flip side where people just buy us to, you know, satisfy some need. And at the end of the day, it doesn't, I don't, I've almost been lazy with them. I just give them a quote and call it a day because it's like, <laughs> if they go with us, great. But there's not really any conversation there. What are some indicators um, of a company who might be off of the limit? So, clearly, sorry, clearly, indicators what? Indicators of a company who's operating within their why. How do you know? I think sometimes it's, sometimes you just get the right person on the phone or in a meeting and they, they start discussing, you can talk, you can tell they have a higher level of, you know, emotional intelligence, for example, but sometimes too, it's just, you, you hear what, what things are doing in other parts of their business, you know, Hey, maybe they're investing in people with uh, onsite training. Maybe they're investing in new technology with, you know, some archaic accounting uh, system, stuff that might be completely unrelated to what I'm selling, but you can see that they're investing in their people. They, they're looking at the future and a lot of times that's a good indicator it's not the only indicator but it helps shape the conversation yeah i'd say typically you start to to notice more of their like themes Mm -hmm. and through different conversations with different people you know is everybody sort of on within the client side are are they do they have a level of internal alignment yeah right if when there's a disconnect between you know what the actual objective is when you talk across different um, groups of on the buyer side, if, if they're all over the map, there's a good chance that they're wise out of, out of, out of sync because if it, it, otherwise, if it was, if it was in sync, they'd all be in the same conversation and okay, I understand this is going to impact us, but this is going to have a benefit for the, 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 the greater good of the company. And, and you see that occasionally in, in some clients and it comes in different varying degrees sometimes it's really well aligned um mm-hmm. and sometimes it's you know it's like pulling teeth trying to figure it out um you know it's a book that we haven't we haven't uh, talked about yet but like challenger customers uh, another good book that kind of the challenger sale no, challenger customer oh. oh i don't have that book it really it really goes well it takes the challenger sale and and goes um more of like, why is it so hard for companies to buy the right solution? It's not about the salesperson. It's about their internal struggles as a yeah. company. And because I feel like that's, a, it is, that's been oftentimes the hardest thing to navigate on for, uh, for us as sellers is, Hey, I, I just don't understand why you guys aren't communicating or connecting the dots internally. And that's, that's always a big struggle, but, um, you know, I, let me, if I can interrupt you, one of Go the ahead. things that, that I do, or I think one of the indicators, and let me know if my mic starts, is, um, you hear me? Yeah. Is what, how do they react when something goes wrong? 
is one of the telltale signs of, of a company's why. Mm-hmm. Um, whenever we bring on a new account, I don't like for things to go wrong, but I like within the first 10 transactions, something to not go right. And we have to own, we have to own it quick. Mm-hmm. we got to put plans in place to correct it. But how they respond to that will oftentimes reveal what their why is, what their culture is. So that's, that's one of the cares for me. That's a good point. Yeah, I think I think that was a, it's a great question you asked, Matt. You know, how do you know other people's why? I think also, too, I mean, I think everyone made a great point, too. But I think for me, the first thing I thought of was, well, if their why is aligned with yours, you can pick up little subtle things very easily. You know, that as soon as you said that, I instantly, you know, I'm sure you guys have all heard about me talk about Dave Ramsey, Ramsey Solutions in the company. And I love it. I mean, they literally have. I didn't put 20 percent down on my house. I'm sorry. Ah, man. <laughs> we'll work on it. Uh, <laughs> How's that death snowball coming? Yeah, right. right. <laughs> but on the front of their building, you know, I've been down there and I've seen the new building that they built. And it's, I mean, it's just amazing. But like right on the front, it literally says out front, someone's life change will change today because you came to work. I mean, that, that, that now that's not their mission statement. Their mission statement's um, to the extent of uh, providing, what is it? Providing biblically based hope and knowledge to in all walks of life. That's essentially what it is. But when you when you just have that same why of like, hey, trying to help and, you know, could you imagine that being a why for, for some companies? Someone's life changed today because you came to because you because you came to work. I mean, you can't tell me those people that walk through those doors aren't like, hey, we're ready to, to kill it today and and just be rock stars. Agreed. And you're going to become our financial advisor as well. Correct. Zach? <laughs> yeah. Something like that. Right. Someday. You gotta so, sell merch first. <laughs> gotta get a sponsor first. Yeah, yeah, right. We gotta start with so, trucker hats. That seems to be, you know, that's how it goes. I have a question for you guys. How, when when you feel like they're trying to uncover someone else's why, and we'll say a, like a sales discovery call, you know, what are some of the questions that you guys might ask to try to help understand and uh, what they're where they're trying to come from? Like I know, Ryan, you kind of mentioned you'll ask things that aren't necessarily directly related to what you, the solutions mm-hmm. that you guys provide. But is there any other, um, you know, we'll say more broad based questions that kind of help give some kind of alignment to where they're aligned on when it comes to values or uh, or what they find is, uh, you know, close to what your why is? I think it's hard to do without doing proper discovery if you yeah. take the time to look them up on LinkedIn or social media and kind of figure out some things about them before you talk to them. Then you can ask about their That will ultimately get you those questions, but we lost somebody else. We lose now. <laughs> you know, um, Daniel, I so I'm I'm in an executive MBA program at the University of Alabama, and we spend a lot of time together. We have team meetings, we go in person, we have dinner afterwards. There's a lot of time that I spend with these folks, and I just now started having a question about why and why they're doing what they're doing, and I've been with them now for over a year, and. Part of the reason I did it is because I'm reading this book, right? Um, 
what I found is it can be very awkward when you're asking the why, or people don't know. Like they haven't been approached with that question before. And so you have to ask it differently. Like sometimes you, you, it comes out because people talk about the family or the kids or, Hey, I love hiking in the mountains, like something like that. Like it sounds all trivial, but obviously that's, there's a reason they're talking about it. So sometimes it's that, but I have found that you can't just come out and ask what their why is until you've established a, some decent amount of trust. Unless somebody else has insight that I would love to use. <laughs> I think you make a great point, Ryan. You know, sometimes it, it's tough, especially if people have never even heard of the concept of the golden circle, mm-hmm. you know, cause, cause you may ask sometimes, you know, why, why do you do that or whatever? And a lot of people may say the, the results of what they do, like, Oh, well to make a profit, Oh, to provide a better life for all the employees or something like that, which, which could get to be close. But if they haven't even been, I'll say exposed uh, to this terminology, this this thought process, and all mm-hmm. that, it, it's tough at times. It, it it really is. I mean, there's no sugarcoating it. It, um, it. it definitely takes time in in building the relationship. And and like he talked about the you know in chapter six there, the emergence of trust, like getting to learn uh, about them and everything, and then you know in in roundabout ways asking those open ended questions to get them to answer. Yeah. So the reason I asked the question was, and and this is something I completely agree with, and it was almost, it was touched on a little bit in new sales simplified, but you know, the goal of the business should not simply be to sell to anyone who wants what you have Mm -hmm. the majority, but rather find the people who believe what you believe on the left side of the, uh, of the bell curve. And that's probably where it it is hard to identify because there's not that many people that fit the left side of that bell curve uh, from chapter seven to that really understand it. And that's, it's hard. It's, it's, it's like trying to, it's like going unicorn hunting. It's, it's, it's a challenge. Um, it is. So I know we, we need to wrap up here. Uh, obviously I think all of us, I'll let you guys speak for, uh, for yourselves. I think this is a fantastic book for a salesperson to read by, by far. I really think, to go a little bit further from just a salesperson, anybody that's, you know, the, during this great resignation is, you know, everybody keeps reading about, I really think it's important for, for a lot of leaders to read this book as well, whether, whether or not you're in sales <laughs> or, or not, yeah. because it, I think it, it has an, in, it has a, a p- the potential to impact the way you are approaching things with other, with leading people right now. Um, and particularly salespeople, but I, y'all go I, would, ahead. I would agree wholeheartedly, Daniel, like, you know, out of the four of us two work from home. Right. And that, and that's probably indicative of throughout the, the industry, right. You know, a lot of people work remote now, it becomes a lot harder to justify the level of effort I'm doing at work when I feel completely disassociated with where I receive my paycheck and the company I work for. It's funny. I, I actually keep a name badge. There's a bookcase right, right above me. It has, it shows that I work for Microsoft and I kind of have to do that to remind myself. Cause at the end of the day, I'm just sitting here in my office. The only difference from my last job to this one is I got a different computer. So, <laughs> stay <in the> same <laughs> place. so um, and it's a little bizarre, but at the end of the day, uh, you know, I do have relationships that I form with people that I work with and we talk about the whys and our motivations. And that's really, really what keeps me fueled because um, you mentioned, Daniel, that great resignation. I was part of it. You know, I, I the last company I, I worked with was the one that was kind of 
drifting on the vision. And at the end of the day, the money wasn't enough for me. So uh, I think that's a very good point that you, that you raised, Daniel. Yeah, you know, I, I think people who understand their why kind of flock together. And I really think, as we said this earlier, it's, it's really the common denominator of the four of us, you know, in a sea of sales professionals. We found each other. This whole thing started. So I think understanding your why is so much greater than, than, than your career or what you do. It's, it, it's, it really is who you are. Mm-hmm. So why in the world would you not read this book? If you get up and spend the majority of your day working, what, wouldn't you want to know your why? want that to be what what fuels you to do what you do so absolutely every 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 person should read this yeah. yeah yeah I, I to wrap it up fellas i, I would agree with you, with all everything you guys said i mean it's just when you know your why you you've got uh i'll say your true north if you will you you know where you're going and you just hey should i do this or should i not okay well does this align with with the why that i'm that i'm working on or that i believe and uh, yeah, not only salespeople, I'd recommend this to uh, to, to really anyone. Like you said, it, it just gives yourself more meaningful purpose, if you will. Um, but but yeah, I mean, I, overall, I think we all just uh, thought it was an amazing book and, and can't wait to to get uh, more ideas down on paper on how to articulate really the why. So yeah, and rebuild and redo your resume based off of uh, off of a why instead of the what's. Yeah, we right, right. set up a, a shell company. It's called uh, Zach's Resume Builder. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. I was doing that yeah. on the side while we're talking. So. Awesome. Well, Thanks, guys. guys. Great episode.